Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 9th. Enlist support for your suggestions, but weigh any disagreement carefully and listen open-mindedly to counter-suggestions. Once again, Swamiji is really talking about how he managed to be such a successful leader of Ananda. Enlist support for your suggestions. What he means by that is, before you present you know, an idea to everyone, Give, you know, communicate with people in ever expanding circles. This is, now this is in the context of, let's say you're the leader of a notable enterprise. You have significantly more than one person working for you. Swami Kriyananda was the leader. He actually, in, in his lifetime, nine communities, nine Ananda communities were founded. And he was a significant force in the founding of all of them. Um, especially in the first one that was founded, Ananda Village, but also in every one of them. And he had a way of introducing new ideas, and he would enlist support for his ideas. He wouldn't just announce them. He wouldn't just call the community together and tell us what we were going to do next. Now, he would present his ideas to a whole community meeting, but he always enlisted support sort of as a process as he went along. And that enlisting support wasn't just, I'm calling the five of you together so that you will agree with what I'm about to do. He was actually exploring the viability of the idea. So he, he believed in his idea or else he wouldn't have presented it. And he was there to explain it so that people would be able to think it through for themselves, to see the, assuming that they saw the wisdom of the idea, and then he would have a circle of support, and then the next circle of involvement, whoever that, whatever that might be, he wouldn't be standing alone. He would have enlisted a, a circle of support, whether it's three or five or 20 people, depending on the context. And then when he's trying to enlist the support of the next circle for whatever new idea or direction, he would already have a small group of people who, who having been informed in advance, had, an, had had the time to integrate it and could do more than just say, do what he says, they could actually independently understand and sincerely express. And bear in mind, Swami was never in favor of a mindless yes. As he often said himself, I prefer an honest no to a mindless yes, or a yes that's designed merely to look good and to try to please people. The opposite of what Ananda is like was this comment a woman gave us from another spiritual organization where early on she stepped out of line and was reprimanded. And then she said, so I found out who they wanted me to be and was able to become that person. And as a consequence, I rose swiftly in the organization, which is 100% the opposite of what Ananda has always been. Ananda is always based on sincerity and absolute authenticity. And we just The magnetism of the place does not allow anything else. So Swami is also talking about himself and the kind of leadership that results in uh, in attracting 
very powerful creative people because they feel respected and able to participate and results in a very broad spread healthy organization. Swami Kriyananda passed away in 2013 and Ananda has just gone on. Of course it's different. You can't replace a, a, an individual unique in, in history like Swami Kriyananda. So it's not that we haven't changed, but we've gone forward because Swami, the broad base of Ananda, the base of Ananda has, was so broad because Swami would enlist support for his ideas. He would always engage us and, and, and he never just gave us his conclusions. He would always give us his reasoning. Even if the in, inspiration itself came as a pure superconscious intuition, he would build a bridge between his superconscious intuition and our common sense. Because there was always a way, if it was a true inspiration, there was always a way to see. Sometimes that required a leap of faith or, or some kind of trust in God. It wasn't always just, well, we'll have $108 on this day, and on this day we'll have 2000 and then we'll have 4000 Sometimes there was a, a part of it where you had to also feel it. But he would still make the bridges for us, so he would really enlist our support. However, even if the intention of your gathering as he's putting there, is to enlist support, but listen, uh, weigh any disagreement carefully and listen with an open mind to counter-suggestions. Because even a superconscious intuition might just be the first step. You know, sometimes, you ha- I mean, literally, and I've had this experience, you have what appears to, feels to you to be a superconscious intuition, and you present it to people and it becomes the catalyst for what really is supposed to happen. It, it, because guidance is not a fixed reality. It's, it's a vibration of attunement. And so this might be the first step in the vibration of the attunement. But then when you bring it forward, it catalyzes a better suggestion or a more appropriate one. Or it highlights something that may have been hidden to you. And so, so oftentimes when you have a strong intuition... It's not always crystal clear what, what the result of that intuition is going to be, or even what you're supposed to do with that intuition. You may just think you're supposed to just act on it and manifest it, but it may be you're just supposed to take the next step. So you present your suggestion in the hope of enlisting support, because if you didn't believe in it, you wouldn't say it. But then when people present objections, counter-suggestions, Weigh them carefully. How does that relate to what I've been thinking? At the very least, it may improve it. Um, at the very least, it may, it may clarify what it is that you're trying to make happen because now you have to answer someone's objectives, objections. And you have to see whether the idea that you're proposing can stand up to those objections. You know, and then sometimes that's how support is enlisted because people will say, but what about this? Huh. Well, that is something to think about. And I've seen Swami do this many times. If you're watching on camera, he, would, he sometimes would fold his arms. He would fold his arms and sort of sit back. Not, not as a gesture of closing, uh, closing people out, but as just sort of pulling into himself and thinking about it. Huh. So that I, have to, I have to consider that. And Swamiji was always honest. He, he never allowed his prejudice in favor of his ideas to, to blind him to the truth, an extraordinary quality. 
He was just impersonal about things. He wanted to know what was true. And if his idea wasn't, or wasn't the best one, or even, there's another part of it, it's just people are not ready for this idea. Their objections and resistance to it are too strong. On many occasions, Swami had very good suggestions, but when he weighed our objections carefully, he could see that our objections were so great, even if ill-founded or founded on the specious ground of fear or emotion, nonetheless, he might perceive that those objections were stronger than, than the power of the magnetism to carry the idea. So there's lots of good reasons why you have to listen open-mindedly. And also, a person can be converted from a, a doubter into a supporter by the mere fact that you're listening and that you're, you're taking their objections seriously. And maybe you'll be able to satisfy their objections and, and help them to see that this is, in fact, a good idea, which then, of course, you see the, the idea becomes their own. And then you have a circle of support. And when that individual, the next time it's, re, re, it's, it's uh, explained, the, the next circle of support, somebody in that circle says, but what about this problem? Now you have somebody else to speak. And they'll say, yeah, I thought of that too. But you know, when I thought through and in discussion with Swami or when I considered it differently, this is what I saw was the shortcoming of that argument. And then all of a sudden, like, we're engaged and, and everybody is actually using their intelligence, not just burying their doubts out of fear of taking responsibility, among other things, or, or the freedom of not having to actually be responsible. And you can just see that everything you want to have happen is much more likely to happen if we approach the situation in an open-minded way. It's also a way to test our own detachment. You know, what am I... What am, I really, um, what am I really doing? Am I just trying to get my way? Or am I trying to find out you know, what, what the really the most viable idea is here? And sometimes when we start trying to enlist the support of others and listening to their objections, we realize how off our own energy is. And, and I certainly, in one really dramatic experience of this, we were trying to make some decisions about a project going forward and Somewhere very early on in the process, I just had what, what I knew was an intuitive flash of insight about what the best way to proceed would be. But my perception was not shared by anybody else. Everybody else had a whole host of logical reasons why mine wasn't a good idea. And I, my only excuse is, this was a long time ago, I didn't understand how to enlist support and listen open-mindedly. So in the end, I ended up alienating everyone. <laughs> just, they were all just mad at me, not for my idea, which they didn't much like, but for the way in which I had implemented it. So finally, I saw what had happened, and I wrote uh, a letter of repudiation. I basically said, you know, whether or not my in insight, inspiration, was a true intuition or not doesn't matter because whatever its origin point, it's now been polluted by my egoic attachment to getting my way. So it was a crowd of, I don't know, six or seven. And I said, I just, I leave the decision completely in your hands. I've disqualified myself. And everything calmed down and they made the decision exactly as what I'd suggested. <laughs> because I wasn't wrong, but I'd been terribly wrong. Because I didn't know how to weigh 
carefully and listen with an open mind to the objections. I was trying to command support rather than win it with a sweet reason. Swamiji put it to me once, you know, truth does not need anyone to defend it. If it's true, people of goodwill will see it. And so we, we don't have to be afraid. We can just, this is what is. We, can, we don't have to shy away from hard facts. I've seen people just, you know, when an unpleasant fact is presented to them that nullifies their suggestion, they'll just move the goalposts. <laughs> and it just, it just creates chaos. And it does not result in a harmonious team that can work together for an uplifted common goal. It just, it it gives us nothing that we want. So we have to be very conscious about this. Swamiji often said, you know, the energy that goes into a project uh, characterizes the project. And if it's high-handed bullying, where everybody feels that we don't get our voice, or I knew it wouldn't work, people will sabotage it with, I knew it wouldn't work. He wouldn't listen to me, so I'm going to prove that I was right and he was wrong. There's countless ways that people can sabotage you if they want to. And they'll just, you know, they just won't do it correctly. And then it will prove wrong. It's just lots of it. It doesn't serve. You know, patience. It takes patience. It takes respect. You know, many of the guidelines throughout this book for living wisely and living well are how to be a leader, how to inspire people, how to actually make a team and be a success together. And those skills far more than what they teach us in school. What they teach us in school, 90% of it is worthless, especially in an age when information is changing so fast. What you start your, your higher education, and by the time you've graduated, everything you learned the first year is obsolete. Perhaps that's an exaggeration, but not much. But how to work with people, how to understand human nature, how to, how to be able to effectively execute with the cooperation of your, your friends and colleagues your good ideas. Now those are skills worth learning. And many of us are having to learn them later in life. But let's be um, diligent students. And for the sake of ourselves and for the whole planet, let's do our best to learn it. So Swamiji says, Enlist support for your suggestions, but weigh any disagreement carefully. And listen open-mindedly to counter-suggestions. So, God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.